Hi, it's episode 9, season 2 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, uh, my co-host Mickey from Johannesburg. Hi everyone. And making his debut from deepest, darkest South Wales, Bridge End, Mr Paul Easel. Hello there. Hi Nick. Hi Joe. Hi Paul. Hi Paul. Hi, it's, it's South Africa versus Wales all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Right, you, ha- you had to bring that up. I don't follow, <laughs> so you're perfectly okay. Listen, that was such a close game last night. I, at one stage, I, I honestly thought Wales were going to beat us, and we were out of the Rugby World Cup. So, you know, it was it was scrappy at times, but we won, and that's all that matters. Sorry for all the Wales supporters. It's okay. It's all right. It's not a problem. I don't follow the sport. Fortunately. At all. I'm English by, and I'm English by birth, anyway, so you went that a long time ago. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, how's everybody's week been? Paul? Shit. Literally. <laughs> um, you've been, it's fair to say, you've been a bit poorly the last few days. Bedridden, yes. Yes. Bit of gut rot. Um, I'm not going to ask for a blow, blow. No. Okay. <laughs> um, but you were well enough, obviously, to to appear on the podcast today. So, so thank you for taking the time to, That's okay. um, to do that, and well enough to watch the game yesterday. Yes. So, if I begin with you, Paul, um, what was your take on, on on the match against Liverpool? Um, honestly, I thought it was poor. Um considering all the stats that keep them coming out, and a big level of stats, as everyone knows. Um, we're supposed to be running the hardest, playing the hardest, the fittest, this, that and the other. And to be honest with you, to play Liverpool now, when we're in a bit of a disarray, new manager and all the rest of it, and we walk away with a nil-nil draw, I was disappointed. Um, was it because certain players weren't playing? I don't know. But for the first half, I thought it was terrible. Um, sloppy passing, um, it was scrappy, um, we rode our luck sometimes, but near the end of the game we started getting back into it and we didn't seem to be able to um, break their defence down. I presume that's one of the first things a new manager does, is make sure they don't concede goals. I think Liverpool went there to make sure they didn't lose. So I thought it was just a pretty poor game all over. There were some good highlights, you know what I mean? There was good there was good movement to a certain degree near the end, but we should put that to bed. I, I think the Liverpool manager, I'm not going to call him by his name, um, because I'm sick and tired of, of mm. hearing, 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 hearing his name and, and all the shit that surrounds it. Um, the Liverpool manager, it's probably fair to say, would be the happier of the two. Yeah. Um, with that point, um, for, for the reasons you outlined, first game, you know, he's 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 gone there away from home, 
and they've got what they wanted, they've kept a clean sheet and so forth. Um, my take on it is, I, I was disappointed, but um, I think, I'm, I'm trying to pick out the positives, so that's fourth clean sheet this season, which is which is good, which is encouraging. Hopefully that there'll be more clean sheets over the course of the season. Um, we're still unbeaten since the first day of the season. I think that's eight games um, um, that we've been unbeaten in. Um, last year, they beat us. This year, we we got a point at home. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, I think we were the better, the t- better team. They didn't look threatening to me, Liverpool. Once or twice on the break, but I didn't think they were... I looked at their players. Um... That's the thing, see, Javid. They didn't look like they were going to, you know, do anything. But we, we didn't capitalize on it. Mm. No, we didn't. You know, I thought with with the Man City game under our belts, um, I thought that we were going to go and really do them. I don't know. Can you blame the international break for loss of momentum? God knows. I don't know. I thought our back yeah. was good. You know, we were solid in defense as well. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm not being totally negative. There's a lot of good things out of there. But I don't think we moved that much forward since Man City. I was expecting a lot more. Yeah, I I say I, I, I hear what you're saying, Paul, but for me, I just think yeah, you're at home and we should have capitalized and we should have won and, and especially in the first half. Both teams looked a bit toothless. I mean, nobody was really going for it. And and towards the end of the first half, I thought that we were we were adding a bit of pressure, and and I thought we were going to come out firing in the second half, but we didn't. And it, it was just there were there were some positive moments, but it was just the same, you know, um, they were just not moving the ball fast enough, and there wasn't that those lovely nice first touches and and. And taking advantage of the fact that this is a weakened Liverpool team, and we didn't we didn't take what we could out of that game. But having said that, all right, considering what what our run is with Liverpool with the last five games that we've we've actually lost, a draw is actually a really good result. So for me, you know, at least we've achieved that. We kept clean sheets. Yes, so did they. But hell, a draw is better than a loss, in my opinion. Any, any, any day. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, you know, we didn't concede, but I noticed that we didn't really actually wake up until about the 40th minute. Mm. We, uh, I thought um, uh, early on, I thought the first 10 minutes we just looked. One or two of the players said that the, their touches were, were quite poor. Um, Clinton Magee, who came on for Chadley, I think it was a, a blow losing Chadley fairly early on. We, 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 which is ironic because so Clinton, all right, Clinton Nishi came on for um, for Chadley and he had several poor touches early on. Okay, yeah. now a few weeks ago when I was at Swansea game, Chadley was getting a lot of stick from our yeah. fans. He didn't have his best game. That's fine. The point I made on the podcast, the last podcast, was okay, fine. If Chadley didn't, doesn't have a good game, fine. Who do you play instead of him? Okay, so you've got. Son, who's injured, who would have otherwise started, let's face it, Chadley. And then the only other option is Clinton Nishi, who I think when I've seen him in the past, he tends to play on the right rather than the left-hand side. So Clinton comes on and he looked pretty poor. He looked a lot worse than Chadley did against um, um, Swansea a few weeks ago, which 
it's the thing that amuses me about football when people slag off a, one of our players, which is bad enough as it is, but when they don't have that alternative, it's like, okay, so you don't want so-and-so to play, but there's never that alternative. Well, who do you play instead? So Clinton, when he came on, I've got to say, he looked a bit poor. Um, yeah. I was at the game yesterday um, and I was um, stood next to a gentleman called... Um, Saden, who's who's appeared on the podcast um, early last last year when when we did the first few podcasts, um, and he he lives in North Carolina in the state, so he was there for the game. He was ne- next to me, and so was Joss Heddington, who um, I've been to a few games with before. And I turned to Joss and I said very early on, I think they should move Ericsson to the left and put Clinton in the centre because a lot of our attacks early on, a lot of our movement was along the left-hand side with Rose and Nishi. And every time the ball came to, to Nishi, he kept, his touch was poor. Funny enough, after a while, they did, Clinton did move into the centre on the right. And then he had this chance just before um, half-time. I think it was, I can't remember exactly what, what minute it was, but um, he had this shot which he hit with the outside of his right foot and um, forced Minile to make a good save. So I thought at that point, we suddenly, after that particular change in play and that shot, we looked a little bit sharper. Yeah. I think Kane had an opportunity as well in the first half, and of course he had a, um, a chance towards the end when Ericsson put him through in the second half and... Um, he, he took a shot and, and Minnele made another save. Um, I don't know on the TV coverage that you watched Paul and and Nicky in 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 South Africa, who the who the man of the match was. Um, I watched the highlights afterwards um, in the evening, and Minnele for Liverpool was 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 the man of the match. But I I thought on our sides, the player that really stood out for me yesterday was Mr Dembele. Dembele. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only that we were we were actually discussing him yesterday um, quite a bit, and and as you have with a lot of fans around, everybody's got mixed feelings about different players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and everyone knows that Dembele is one of my favourites. But to to be fair, um, the one criticism I do have is that he does tend to hold on to the ball too too long. He doesn't release it quickly enough. So that's probably my main criticism uh, about Dembele. But for me, he was just, you know, it was just great to see him there again in that position. And 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 trust me, I think we we missed Dyer yesterday without a doubt. But um, but having Dembele back was was great. He was definitely the band of match for me just with his play with the way his moves but he also can be predictable as some of the guys were saying yesterday so I'm not completely oblivious to the fact that he has his faults all players do where did you just out of interest um so um I was at the game as I I mentioned and and Paul you watched it at home Nikki where did you watch the game yesterday well uh Johannesburg Spurs had their inaugural match day get together yesterday so we met at um, the Baron on Main in Bryanston which is our new home base for Johannesburg Spurs and um, and we're up to about I'd say 27 official members now and unfortunately a lot of them you know a couple of the guys uh, couldn't make it because they were actually at the game um, one guy was getting married I just said to him priorities you know show your wife to be won't mind if you quickly step out of your wedding and <laughs> come and watch the game with us um, 
So only about nine of us um, were there, but a few of them brought partners and, and so forth. So it was actually just quite a festive day, I must say. It was, it was good for the first, for the first get-together. It was lovely. Congratulations, by the way, for setting the club up. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. And, and like, like with anything like this, it, it's going to start off, you know, with, with a small gathering, which, which which can only grow, hopefully, over time. Oh, no, no, absolutely. I mean, we were upstairs and then downstairs. Um, actually, somebody, there were two guys that Paul used to play football with from years ago. And one of them is, is a big Tottenham supporter. So I pulled out my paperwork and got him signed up. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think the next one, which is on the eighth of November, um, when we play Arsenal, I think uh, we'll probably have a lot more supporters there. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I think for me, um, in in the past, I've been critical of Dembele for exactly the reasons that you've outlined. He tends to hold the ball and, and not not release it when he should. Um, I think that prior to him getting injured, I can't remember who who did he get injured against. It might have been Stoke. I think. He was starting to, um, might, actually might have been before that, the, the, or three. Was it Leicester City? Le- Leicester City, I, th- I, th- I thought he did quite well in um, mm. Stoke. And then and then the Leicester, the Leicester City game, I think it was actually Everton that he got injured against. So I, I was, it's always, when a player um, becomes injured and then they come back, you, and, and particularly if they've been doing well, you don't know how, whether they're going to pick up from where they left off. But to be fair, I thought he did really well. He, well. Yes, we missed Dyer, but I, I think he, um, Dembele was the best option. And on that, Dembele's been played in various positions um, in his Spurs career. So he's been he's he's played before in the sort of deep lying central midfield place that he um, played yesterday. He's played as one of the three, whether that's in the central role or or on the right hand side, cutting in in on his left and. I know that when he was at Fulham, um, he, and even if I think before that, he might have started his career as a striker and his, his, his instincts are always supposed to be more attacking. But I, I think that his best position is playing alongside actually Dyer when we get Dyer back. Mm. Um, and then maybe pushing up Deli Ali forward, although I think Deli Ali can play in either role. In the, in the deep lying or, or, or the further forward role. The reason I think Dembele is better in that deeper role, and we saw this yesterday, is he might not be a tough tackling, um, defensive minded midfield player like Dyer, but he's very strong. He can hold the ball up. Mm. So there were lots of examples of this yesterday where he would get the ball and um, say off um, one of the back players, and he's got his back face to goal, and then he would turn, he would do the Musa Dembele um, 360 turn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's yeah. got the strength to hold the ball, to beat people, to lay it off, to keep the ball. And I'd rather him do that there in that part of the pitch than further forward. My biggest problem is further forward is he dithers. He's sometimes caught between should he shoot or should he pass yeah. and he keeps the ball too long. Whereas yesterday, I think, just playing in front of that back four, he can pick up the ball, he's got the strength to um, hold on to it, not lose it, turn, beat one or two players and then lay it off to somebody else. And I, and I, and I would I hope that going forward, Dyer and Dembele um, are the two that play in that role. I know last year it was Bentlab and Mason, but they're both injured at the moment. Um 
I think that pair pairing of Dyer and Dembele is really strong. But mm. I just find it very frustrating to know what he can do. And that's well, we've all seen what he can do and he doesn't do it consistently. Mm. Now not being in the team all the time, fine, but at the end of the day when you so called a professional footballer, you have got to put that to one side. I I, I just it, I just feel that he, he can do so much more. Do you not think he's showing a little bit more consistency this season than previous seasons? It's hard to say, to be honest with you. I don't think he plays consistently. He's not played consistently. I thought, he, I thought he started off really, really well and he was getting to become one of our, better, our best players so far this season until he got injured. And, um, and yeah, he's just come back and I think that he he's probably need, going to need to get back into it um, in order to get back to where he was a few weeks ago, I think, before he got injured. Uh, but he's certainly more consistent than some other players. Uh, you, I'm sorry, Lamena, what a fucking joke. Come on. I'm so... I just wish he would be more consistent. And if he... You know, it's just it's just painful to watch him. And And I know that there are people that love him. Well, you can love him all you like, but I just to be honest, think you, I thought he was going to go. I thought he was going to go. To be honest, you down Valley. Not that I wanted him to go, but I thought he was going to be sold. Dembele. Yeah, I honestly thought he was going to be on the list of uh, people out the, out the door. No, we're building a Belgian team. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got, we've got a question about that a bit later, but um, we're, 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 we're not going to jump to that just yet. Um, Aside from uh, Musa, uh, looking at the other players yesterday, obviously Lloris didn't have much to do. Um, I thought Danny Rose had a really good game. Um, he was I a bit shaky at the start. Yeah, that's, that's understandable because um, he's not played regularly. But I, I thought second half he looked yes, he yes. quite good. As I said, in the first half, there was a lot of schoolboy errors. There was no movement. There was just passing to the feet. Everyone was static. And and there, there was no sort of understanding between the players. It seemed like the for the first 10, 15 minutes, like it was the first time they ever got together. Yeah, I, th- I think there was an element of they weren't pressing the ball um, in the like first 10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe they were still on international break. They just, they just they thought they were. You know, you can't rule that out totally. I know it's no excuse, but you can't rule that out completely. It's um, getting back into the swing of things in, in Premiership football compared to international duty. Well, the, last season, I mean, the, the, there's always this thing about Spurs and we play in Europa on a Thursday and then Premier League on Sunday and whether that's whether that works um, against us and, and so forth. But actually last season, if you look at um, when we were doing really well from, I would say, about November onwards after that Stoke defeat and, and suddenly Kane getting on the score sheet, still about the, the Capital One Cup final. That's when we had lots of games. We were, if we weren't playing in the Premier League, we are playing on the Europa and obviously we were involved in the Capital One Cup. I wonder whether that, though, sort of high-intensity games, and now we've got lots of games because we'll be playing Anderlecht on Thursday and then Bournemouth um, a few days later. I wonder whether that actually suits us because if you look at last season after we went out of the Capital One Cup and we were out of Europe as well around about the same time our form dipped I wonder whether our players just benefit from playing more and more football um, 
there is, there is, you know, there is a debate about momentum, but everybody else was on an international break, and if you look at the score lines of some of the other teams, you ask yourself, well, you know, is it the same old Spurs? Without being too negative, mm-hmm. we're not, we're, we're not the only team that has had an international break. No. I just want to be pushing forward from that win after Man City. I just want to be pushing forward more, and I didn't. I didn't really see it. I'm not saying it's all doom and gloom. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm happy with everything that's going on there, the way it's all being handled and dealt with, and the manager and all that. I'm, I'm happy with all that. But I was expecting a lot more, considering that we're pl- supposed to be playing a understrength Liverpool team, um, a Liverpool team that hasn't had a win in, was it one win nine games away? You know, a lot of key players injured. You know, all that manager shit and a new manager coming in, I just expected a hell of a lot more. But and I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we, I'm not saying accept, but it's, um, we, we've had a situation in the past, a bit like after we've beaten City and last season after we've beaten Arsenal and, and, and season's gone by, we'll, we'll, we'll put in this fantastic performance against somebody. Um, a few years ago, for instance, it was Newcastle when Harry Redknapp was manager and, and we, I think, won 5 0 while that late. And then there's an expectation that the next game we're going to do the same thing and then the same thing after that. But it never works out that way. Um, no. Yeah, not, should it be an expectation? Um, I think that I think it's difficult to to do that on a consistent basis. Even the best teams um, will go through spells where they might win games, but they'll play badly and 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 grind out results. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can necessarily play, you know, beat teams four nil on a consistent basis. Um, and, and play. Yeah, no, no. I, you know, put a performance in like we did. The performance, not the scoreline, but the performance. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. You know, not the scoreline. You know, that's that's what I'm expecting. If um, I wonder if. Okay, so we've got a question. Um, I'm just going to jump straight straight into this from Howard Barr um, around Harry Kane, and, I, and it's just got me thinking because at the moment we we look defensively solid. There's no doubt about yes. that. That's that's I think we we can all agree upon that. And that's one yeah. of the good things of this season. Um, going forward, yes, we've got players like Eriksson, particularly with his set pieces, as we saw against Swansea, and we've got Son who's injured. Um, that contribute in terms of goals, but we still I haven't I don't have any stats in front of me, but I, I would imagine we're not one of one of the most highest um, scorers in, in the Premier League, and part of that is um, the goal droughts um, that Harry Ga- Harry Kane's going through, and also part of that I guess is the fact that we don't have a recognised striker other than Harry Kane, um, and that puts a lot of pressure on him, a lot of onus on him. Um, it's he's also probably going through second season syndrome. Um, I guess if we had some more firepower up front, maybe we could have beaten Liverpool. Maybe if Harry Kane had a bit more luck and he wasn't going through the spell 
that he's going for at the moment, then some of those shots yesterday wouldn't have been saved by Mignolet, but they would have gone in the back of the net and they would be, we'd be talking about a different game. So just on Harry Kane, and I know we've discussed this on previous pods and it's becoming a bit tiresome, but we can't run away from it. So Howard Barr asks, do you think we've run Harry Kane into the ground? His own goal against Swansea a few weeks ago was that of a tired player, um, he thinks. How do we resolve the issue? No, he's not tired. We haven't run him into the ground at all. Is he trying too hard? He's thinking too much. A lot of, yesterday, come on, look at him. The, the, the goals that he would have put into the back of the net last season, he did that with first touches. He didn't think about it. He just knew instinctively where the, where the goal was going to go. Yesterday, he just took too long on the ball and he was overthinking it. And that's why those uh, his, his attempts were saved because he just, it became, um, you know, he gave the chance to the goalkeeper to actually know what Harry Kane was going to do. Why? Because he took he took the time to think about it instead of just shooting. And I know that sounds, I mean, I'm not a footballer myself and, and, and there's obviously more to it than that, but that's what it looks like to me in layman terms. He takes too long on the ball because he's overthinking it and and he's not just going for those chances and trusting his instincts. It's like he, there's something lacking there. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's maybe it's lack of confidence, or, or but I just think that... Yeah, he's trying too hard, but he's just overthinking it. He's not just enjoying the game, you know. And 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 we saw it with Bobby as well. When you try too hard, what's going to happen? You're not going to get those goals. Those goals he was scoring with his eyes closed last season. So maybe it's a little bit of, of everything, but I certainly don't think we've run him into the ground. And, and I don't know why, because he, he can score goals for England, but yet he can't score for us, uh, you know. I don't think that it's got anything to do with the fact that he's not getting the service because he is getting the service. I just think he's thinking about it too much. Oh, I've got, I've got, to, I've got to do this. I've got to get it right. And by the time he then decides to shoot, goalkeeper already knows what he's going to do. Well, going back, you know, we seem to play better when we play more games, and then you put the that into the conversation about. Have we run him into the ground? You can't have it both ways, can you? Um, I don't think he's run him into the ground. I think that other teams have now wised up to the way that Harry plays. Um, the only person who can really answer that question is Harry himself. Everything else mm-hmm. is just speculation. Um, I don't think he's thinking too much. I still think that he's enjoying the game. Um, so what? We know what he can do. And if he's going through a drought, he's going through a drought. And it's it's only it's only October. His season starts in November. We all know that. <laughs> so it's fine, you know. Um, when I must just say, yesterday, um, one of the guys it's when when Harry when Harry shot that goal and, and it was saved or whatever, one of the guys just blurted out that it was quite funny. He said, Oh my god, he can't score in a bucket of vaginas. <laughs> 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 so cute. <laughs> it was so funny. And I just Only thought, a bucket. Hmm? Only a bucket. <laughs> Only a bucket, Shem. And I do. Um, I, I mean, come, everybody loves time. Harry. Everybody loves There's Harry. There's other times and... I think that you would have picked the corners. Yeah. As I said, you know, I, I think I think defense, defensively from other teams, I think they've they've worked out how he plays. 
Absolutely. But when, when he's got the opportunity to strike like that, if you go watch that back, you will see that he should have done it on his first touch. He, he, just, he just was on the ball for that fraction too long. And that gave the keeper a chance to actually know or predict where the goal was going to go. Where the, the, one thing I have, the one thing I have noticed this season, though, is that he seems to get the ball trapped underneath his feet a lot this season. He's getting the ball and it's trapped underneath his feet and he's got to have one or two touches to sort of get it in, in front of him. I don't know what that's all about. I, I think that look, there, have been, there were times last season where um, he might have been through on goal and he might have made the wrong decision. It might have only been once out of ten. There might there were times, I'm sure, last season where he took a shot and the keeper got a finger on it. But because he was scoring ninety percent of the or eighty percent of the the rest of the time, nobody picks up on that. Oh, now it's just everything that he does. Oh, why did he shoot when he should have passed? Or why didn't he shoot? Or if he didn't, he doesn't have confidence. Or why didn't he go around? There's too much. Everything is being overanalyzed, and yes, correct. Um, it, it's, it, it will come good. You know, I, I don't want to keep saying that every every week, but it, it will it will come good. We we know what he can do, um, and look, he's done it for England this season. He scored a few goals for. Um, at international level, so there's no reason why he, he, he won't do it again later on this season for Spurs. Um, it, yes, it would have been good if we had an, another striker in the squad um, to relieve some of the burden, but hey ho, we don't. Um, we'll, we'll just get on with it. Um, just a final few things on, on yesterday's game. Um, so there was a lot talked about in the media. Um, about Liverpool's new manager. Um, we had a question about um, whether... Oh. I'm going I'm to merge, merge the question into one. So um, whether we would prefer... Um, who, who the Liverpool manager um, would have preferred managing based on the players um, they have, Liverpool or Tottenham? Um, and the second part of... Sort of Part of that is which of the Liverpool players would would get in the Spurs first team. Now, I would say that to answer the first part of that question, I think that um, I think we've got the better players, and by that token, I don't think there would be any. I was looking at it yesterday, and, and I don't think there are any of those Liverpool players that would break into the Spurs team at a push Coutinho that's it I can't see any one of those Liverpool players that I'd say do you know what I'd like to have him in in the Tottenham team Lallana should have signed for us and not Liverpool in my opinion Lallana is, is, is unfortunately now going to go to waste at Liverpool I just I think he he was much better at um, at Southampton and and he signed for the wrong team. I think he could fit into our team very well. I think he he he, he suits our style of play. Can for me. Who sorry? Can 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I liked him from the first time I saw him play for Liverpool. If he's played in the right position, I think he's a very good player. Um, 
but that's not a question that uh, that's not an answer to your to your question. Who do I want in our you know from Liverpool who could get in there? I just like that Emery Khan from, from the start. I think he's a good mm. player. Well, I think it's a measure of, and it go, goes back to, to sort of the, the frustration that you expressed at the beginning, Paul. Um, it's a measure of how well we're doing that I think we've have got a starting eleven a squad which is stronger than Liverpool's. Um, but yet, despite all of that, we weren't able to break them down yesterday and, and get the three points that we all wanted. They were set up to not to lose the game. That was, yeah, that was it. Mm. That's, that's mm. how they were set up. I think I can't remember who it was now. The last season is exactly the same scenario. They were just set up not to lose the game, and you know some teams can get away with it. You know they'll end up walk away with a nil-nil draw. Um, maybe I was a bit harsh in my comments earlier. I don't know, but um, as far as Poch or that German bloke, I'd rather have Poch. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Bloody fucking Klopp camp. Fucking hell. Did my head in. Yeah. I... I... Look, I don't know a great deal about Klopp and his management methods. I know that he did well with Borussia Dortmund. But I also know that the last season that he was there, they weren't doing particularly well. And... And I wonder. I know that he lost. They lost a lot of good players um, uh, to various clubs, but pre- predominantly they lost quite a few players to, to Bayern Munich. But I wonder, and that's going to be a blow to any anyone. But I wonder how much of their success under Klopp was down to the fact that oh, I've said his name um, was down to the fact that they had very good players. And will he be found out? You know, is there, it, sorry. You can't make a silk purse out of a pig's ear. Mm. Mm. And I think that's what he's yeah. going to have in Liverpool. And from what I've read just recently, I don't know how much truth is in this, his number two apparently is the brains behind it. Yeah, and also I think he set himself... Basically, I think there's lots of hype around him. And it, and it remain, Any time will tell whether he, he'll, he'll do well for them or not. But I think he set himself up when he says at his first press conference... Well, the papers are set up. Sorry, the media is setting them up. The media they are, but 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 he, he didn't help himself when he said, "Within the first four years, we'll win the title." That's pretty <sighs> stupid, I think, to to say that you're going to win yeah, the league. Even even Sir Alex Ferguson didn't say anything. It's not stupid; it's arrogant. So enough of Liverpool. Um, that was. Um, the, 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 I should have mentioned that the, the the question around earlier on um, around which. Uh, Liverpool players would get in the Spurs team was it was from Neil um, Andrew Roberts I forgot to mention so apologies for that right in the second half of the podcast um, we will um, take some questions and also we'll, we'll we'll take some predictions for the game against Anderlecht and and Bournemouth but before we do here's Elliot Line with this week's forward line this is the forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast with me, Elliot Line, looking forward to the Europa okay. League game against Anderlecht on the 22nd of October and also the Premier League game against Bournemouth on the 25th. Both of these games are away from home and both are games that we are capable of winning. We haven't met Anderlecht since 2007 and we've never before played Bournemouth in a competitive match. So in that regard, both are unknown quantities. However, I actually regard Bournemouth as the slightly tougher game for us. 
and are more likely to trip us up. In the Anderlecht game, I think we have a 70% chance of scoring, a 29% chance of scoring more than once, and a 44% chance of keeping a clean sheet. The most likely scorelines are a 1-0 win, a 1-1 draw, a 1-0 defeat, and a 0-0 draw. Overall, I have 45% for a Spurs win, 29% for a draw, 26% for an Anderlecht win. In the Bournemouth game, I think we have a 68% chance of scoring, 28% chance of scoring more than once, and a 40% chance of keeping a clean sheet. The most likely scorelines are a 1-1 draw, a 1-0 win, a 1-0 defeat, and a 2-0 win. Overall, I have 41% for a Spurs win, 30% for a draw, and 29% for a Bournemouth win. This has been the forward line with Elliot Lyon. Come on, you Spurs. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Thank you, Elliot, as ever, for the forward line. Right, so turning to those games, let's do some quick fire predictions. So we've got Andlecht on Thursday, away from home. Um, Paul, quick prediction. It all depends what team he puts out in Europe, but maybe a 1 0 or a 1 0. Okay. Mickey? Hello? Uh, yeah. I think I think that we'll probably um, we'll beat them 2 0. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because they're actually at the bottom um, of the group and they're, they're not playing very well at all. So. I reckon that's what we'll get. Two 0 And they lost. The, they lost to the mighty Carabag as yeah. well um, in yeah. the last game. Right, and then we've got Bournemouth after that on Sunday, a few days later. That's obviously a bit of an unknown quantity. Um, Bournemouth away. Um, Paul, quick prediction on that one. Three one. They're going to play some good football. It's not going to be an easy. It's not going to be an easy game. Um, I think they can play football, Bournemouth, but I think it will be too much for them. He says that after drawing nil from Liverpool. Um, yeah, three-one. Yeah. Nicky, I'll go with two-one. Uh, and one of those goals is Ericsson, and one of them is going to be Kane. Okay. Well, I hope it's Kane because he's he's in my fantasy team. Um, and- <laughs> Um, yeah, I think many people's fantasy team. Um, and I, I've, a few weeks ago, to my cost, I dropped him, and then he scored against Man, Man City, reinstated him, and then he scored an own goal. Um, well, that uh, serves you right. Well, that serves you right, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you've got to keep the faith. I'm going I'm to say that we win both of those games 2 0. Um, right, before we do questions, here's um, Bex has been looking at the. Um, Spurs ladies and here's an update for this week. Hi this is Bex with an update on the Spurs ladies just to let you know that we beat Plymouth 4-1 at home in the, the FA Women's Premier League Cup with a goal scored by the very lovely Avila Bergin who has subsequently had a call up for her international team Northern Ireland. Avila has played through every age group for Northern Ireland under 16, 17 and 19 and this will be her ninth cap if she plays against Georgia on October the 24th. Sophie Tudor has also been called into the Welsh Under-17 squad when they play against Hungary. Good to see our girls getting some international time. 
Earlier in the month, we went, we played Enfield and beat them 4-1 in the Ryman Cup, again with a Villaburg in scoring. And then we got a bit of a kicking um, 4-0 at Cardiff last weekend. The girls' next game is on Sunday the 18th of October at 2 o'clock. They play at Chesson FC in the London FC Capital Cup. So ladies football has a lot more cups than even the men's domestic game does. And despite being spanked 4-0 in the league, we're still fifth in the league table. 15 points from nine games. Not perfect, but not that bad. Anyway, that's me for this week. If you have any questions, my handle on Twitter is at BunchesBex. Thanks, bye-bye. Thank you, Bex. Right, so let's finish off by doing some questions. Um, Paul, if I begin with um, a question from Andrew Pelling, um, or I always ask this um, to new um, people who have appeared on the pod, um, how did you get bitten by the Tottenham bug? Oh, God, it's a long question. Long answer, sorry. Um, I'm the youngest of five brothers. Um, all the older brothers supported Spurs. Um, father supported Spurs. And before we left Cambridge to move to South Wales because of my dad's job, my brothers took me to go and see my first game against Exeter City in 1968. Um, and it's been like that ever since, really. That's the quickest answer I can give you out of detail. <laughs> Dare I ask, how many years have you been supporting Spurs? Um, 46, 47 years. So it's in the blood. Yeah, it's, um, as I said, before before we left Cambridge to move to South Wales, they said that, you know, we we're going to have to take them to a game. So they did. And it was on my birthday. So it was a double celebration. And we won. Excellent. So I don't remember too much about it you know all the final details there's only five but um i was a huge fan of alan gilzine and he was you know everyone's got their schoolboy or childhood hero and alan gilzine was mine so there you are along with ralph Coates and his hair <laughs> okay so um on Twitter, we've had a question for from at eighty underscore Spurs, um, who asks: Belgium are now um, the number one na- nation in the FIFA rankings. If you could bring in one Belgian to, a sp- to Spurs in the January window, who would it be? Nikki, you mentioned earlier we're building a team of Belgium, so we've got obviously Toby, <laughs> Jan, Chadley, Dembele. I feel as though I've missed somebody from that list, but I think that's it at the moment. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, I would get Hazard. Hazard. I think. Okay. I think he'd he'd be brilliant for us if I he could. Would, that's who I would. I mean, everybody would, knows I love Vincent Company, but I think we're solid at the back with with Jan and um, and uh, and Alderweireld. So for me, it would be Hazard. He's tainted. Okay, who would you go for, Paul? Well, good question. Um, De Bruyne. De Bruyne, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's difficult because questions that say, you know, who could you bring in realistically? That the, the my initial reaction was um, Hazard, but I don't can't see Chelsea selling him, and they certainly wouldn't sell him to us. Um, but if if we're talking hypothetically, then yeah, I'd I'd love to see him in a Tottenham shirt. I, I wanted to see him a few years ago, but 
Um, I just can't see it happening. Um, and I don't know where he would play, but who cares, really? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think that matters. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know that often when if you say that, sometimes fans say, but what about Ericsson? Well, where, where, where is he going to play? Well, but we need we need someone like him, and he's very yeah. similar in that respect. He he creates he creates goals out of nowhere. It's brilliant. So and also, two the three of us, we've all picked a non-striking option. Oh no, no, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't said, actually said I, who I want. Hazard was the first person that came to my mind. Um, then I thought I went I went through all the options. Then I thought company, but then a bit like Nicky said, I thought, well, we've got Alderweireld and. Toby and um, and I, I like the look of what I've seen, although not much. They haven't featured that much, but I like the look of Kevin um, Vimmer. So I thought, okay, no to company. Um, a striker would be the obvious one. Mm-hmm. Um, Benteke. No, thank you. Um, no, the one no I the person I'm going to go for is a chap who plays for. Zenit, um, St. Petersburg in Russia, and that's Axel Witzel. He's a central midfield player, um, and he's a regular in the Belgium team, um, and I think he would he, he would link up with Dembele quite well, and for that matter, Alex... Um, Alex? Um, I forgot his name, Dyer. Axel. Um, Axel, Axel Witzel, but... Um, I've had a complete brain fart. What's Dyer's first name? Who? Eric. Dyer. Eric. <laughs> Eric. I just, I was just, I said it, I was, uh, yeah, with, with, with Eric Dyer. Um, I, I like the look of Axel Witzel, but um, St. Petersburg, uh, one of these Russian teams that have got lots of money, so I suspect he would be on very high wages. Yeah, it was only um, a hypothetical question. It was only a hypothetical question. So I, 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 in the end, I went for him. Um, that that would be my choice. Um, there's certainly lots of good Belgian players out there. Um, Benteke, I think, would be another option as well, because we need a little bit more firepower up front, and we need a bit of cover, stroke competition for, for Harry. Um, okay, so got a question from Paul Simon. Paul asks, it's been a few weeks since I listened to the pod, as I don't sleep anymore since the baby arrival. Congratulations, Paul, firstly on that. Um, he goes on to say he would listen in, in, in he would listen in my many walking hours, but I'm too busy waiting for him to cry. So anyway, sign the little sign the little man up for a season ticket in the hope that he will get one by the time he is eighteen. According to his number, there are over forty thousand on the waiting list now. My question has two parts. Part one is how long can a question be and still get read out on the show? Okay, well, you by reading out this question, I think we've just um, proven it. that, or we've answered it, we've, we've proven still that. Still will to live. Yeah, Paul's lost the will to live. The second part of my question is, considering the new, the new stadium plans and the massive season ticket waiting list, clearly the future is rosy, but... When did the panel think, if at all, this potential will start turning into cups and titles? And if we did have a run as a top club in the country, would the mentality of being a Spurs fan change? Would it be the same if we if we didn't have a little bit of Spursiness in there? Actually, three parts to that question. He can't count. Get some sleep, Paul. Uh, uh, and, and I reckon... 
and I, I've said this previously, I think that we'll only be in contention from from 2017 for for the title, in my opinion, and uh, and have some bloody faith. You know, spursiness, I hate that word. We'll, you know... What was the question again? Oh, my God. It was too long, see, Paul. That's why... I didn't need to be concise. What was the question again? I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. Oh, something about, I think, okay, so to, to, to summarise, <laughs> to, to summarise, I think he's asking, you know, if, if we ever get to, um, if we ever, if that potential ever sort of materialises into trophies and cups and titles, will, will the mentality change? And yes, I think it, I think, I think it, of course it will, it'll change the dynamics of everything. Um, if we ever get there, then we're, I, I hate to say it, but if 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 you're if you're a, a su- successful club in the say Man United mould a few years ago, then everything changes. The expectations of the fans changes. You start to attract um, new fans, which is good and bad. It's good because obviously we want our fan base to grow and we want more and more people to support Spurs. But more selfies. But a bit so bit more. More selfie sticks. Or selfie six, and there'll be more of these sort of fair weather fans that will just jump on a particular bandwagon. Um, well, we got them, though, haven't we? Yeah. So every yeah, every team's got them. Yeah. I remember when what was it? The um, I think it was the Crystal Palace game. Um, as soon as Sun was substituted, about twelve. Um, I don't know whether they were um, what exact nationality they were. Um, they all walked out. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to change the Asian, dynamics. Asian fans, let's put it that way. Um, they all walked out. I was just thinking, well, have you come to see Spurs play or have you just come to see um, Sun playing? And I just got the impression that they just kept to see Sun. But there's two expectations. There's the fans and there's also... Um, to, to a part of degree where there was a stage where Man United were expecting to win everything and they had an arrogance about them and they thought everything was a, a God-given right that they should win every game. Um, I don't want that to happen at Spurs. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so used to living on the bloody edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. I'm quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. Rather than sort of saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to win this three 0 quite comfortably," and and um, be a bit blasé about it, I... and having a bigger stadium doesn't mean more success. Um, how many trophies has Arsenal won since moving into the Emirates? Yeah, you know, um, it's the money that they invest and how it's invested. I think. Okay, so if, I mean, football fans are, are fickle, and sometimes that they, they, they've got a sense of in, in, entitlement. Yeah, but, but Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool fans being a case in point, almost deluded p- people singing yesterday, "We're going to win the league" and so forth. For me, I think you've got to accept that you're not going to even the best teams, even the most um, successful teams. And I saw a documentary last week um, about Alex Ferguson and, and leadership. And Alex Ferguson, I, th- I think, somewhere in the documentary said that you know we, we're not going to win every single game of football. We're not going to win every single trophy every every season. 
But what he wanted was for them to be in contention. And that, for me, that's the most important thing, that we're always competing on a regular basis, that we're in contention. Yep, yep. One day we might turn up and we and there'll be a team better than us and they'll win that trophy or, or that league title or whatever it may be. Um, but I want us to be in contention and competing on a regular basis. And um, I think that... I'd like to think with what Poch is building at the club, um, particularly with the young players and the fact that he was given a five-year contract, hopefully will provide us with that stability. Mm. And that's the thing, that's the frustrating thing with Spurs. There have been too many false dawns along the way. Um, mm. And hopefully we can get stability going forward. I think that's that's the most important thing. And then hopefully there'll be less of that Spursiness mentality and just a little bit more, maybe more pragmatism. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that a new stadium is guaranteed success. Um, I think as well, I also have questions or question marks over, will we fill the stadium? Everyone reckons that we will fill the stadium. But um, I'm not quite sure. Well, we shall have to see. Okay, so um, moving on, Oliver Leith asks, um, in the wake of Ledley King's birthday earlier this week, um, players with the club loyalty of Ledley King, um, someone like Francesco Tossi at at Roma, um, I don't even want to mention his name, Stephen Gerrard at Liverpool, um, are rare in this day and age. So which, if any of the current squads, could you potentially see sticking with Spurs for life? King. Mm. Yeah, Harry Kane, I think. Definitely Harry Kane, yeah. I think Harry Kane, I think... Dyer. Dyer, I think Mason, possibly. Unless it gets to a point where several years down the line... He's in game, game time. And he, several, several days down the line and he's towards... Not towards the end of his career, but he's got one one move maybe left in him. And he realises he needs to, to um, uh, if he wants to still get some game time, he'll, he'll, he'll have to move elsewhere. I think similarly with Andrew Townsend as well. Mm, mm. But uh, I could see Kane, I think Dyer. Yeah. For both of those two players, I, I, I can see also as future captains as well, mm. especially Dyer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay, um, let's see, final few questions. Um, okay, another one from Paul Simon. Um, I like this question. He says, um, I've got, um, he, he got a Facebook uh, memories notification um, the other day um, of a post he made while watching us play FC20 um, at White Hart Lane in our first ever Champions League game five years ago. Um, and seeing the Champions League flag, wavy flag thing on the centre circle, and hearing the Champions, champion, and hearing the Champions League league music, I can remember every second. If I recall, he goes on to say, if I recall, we went to the playoff versus Young Boys too, but that that wasn't a proper Champions League game. It was a, 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 a before the group stage qualifier um anyway um he goes on to say it was five years ago last week and probably the best moment and 
season of going to games I've had. We've we went to lots of games and the memories against Milan, etc., were amazing. Can the panel pick one moment from their Spurs supporting career and say why it's their most memorable moment? Does it have to be actually on the pitch related? I think we can be creative. Okay, um, take my son to this first match. Taking your son, sorry, to his first match? Taking my son to his first match. Um, in fact, that was against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, on his birthday, it was the first game of the millennium. We beat them 1 0. And I went ahead. His uncle, um, obviously my brother in law, he's also a Spurs fan. I went ahead and seeing his face when he walked up the stairs and then saw the ground for the first time. That was, um, that's, that's it for me, basically. Okay. Nikki? Bit boring, but. <laughs> uh, I think for me it was March coming over and meeting the, the top, you know, the members of, um, of the Tottenham Hotspur family group that uh, that were there and um, I mean I thought that was really special and it still is so um, that's probably one of my most treasured and special moments and you Jeff? Um, this is really difficult um, I think in terms of in terms of Spurs matches that have been on TV that I've watched that I've not games that I've not been to I think I mean there are so many I think that um, when we beat Manchester City a few seasons ago and qualified uh, and Peter, Peter Crouch scored mm-hmm. in the right end and we qualified for the Champions League I think that was a special moment um, but to be honest I don't know it's, it's really difficult there are so many other games yes. the, the, the very same season when Danny Rosecock scored that goal against Arsenal <laughs> mm. special mm. Um, that's why I chose the one I chose because there's too many on the pitch memories yeah. there's just too many you know what I mean everyone's you know churning out the usual ones you know the Gazza's free kick etc etc I think games that I've been to, um, the, the Leicester City game um, that, that, that Nicky mentioned in March, because it was an opportunity to meet lots of... The, the game itself, I hated. I didn't enjoy the game at all. I know we won 4-3. I know Harry Kane scored a hat-trick. I didn't enjoy the game. Um, and it was... Uh, I don't know. I thought the atmosphere was a bit subdued in the stadium. But I enjoyed the, the, the day. I thought it was a special day, and it was really nice meeting Nicky for the first time and, and lots of other people from the Tottenham Hotspur family Facebook group um, games that I've been to again quite difficult um, I thought that New, New Year's Day last year against Chelsea mm. was special That I really enjoyed that day um, but I don't know I think for me, there are so many, unfortunately, there are so many occasions as a Tottenham fan, particularly when you go to live games that are awful, where they're either bad because we've lost or it's just a bit underwhelming. But there are one or two special moments, and it's those special moments which, um, which whilst there might not be lots of them, there are a few, and it's, 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 it's all those disappointing times that sort of 
make you appreciate the the, the special times even more. Mm. Um, and 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 it's particularly when when those occasions, like when when we beat um, uh, Chelsea on New Year's Day, and and for instance Arsenal, um, you feel when you watch the game and when you leave the stadium, it, it's just you feel ecstatic and you're really buzzing, and you don't want the you don't want the match to end. Mm. And when you're getting the tube home, it's just I don't know. It's it's, it's uh, you want to be able to bottle up that feeling. Yeah. Um, and there's been a few occasions. Normally, I think when we beat somebody like Woolwich or, or Chelsea, I think those are probably standout um, moments. Um, I'm trying to see what other questions. Okay, uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Um, I got on Paul Simon. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, he's he's put through a. He, he, I don't know how he's managed all this time for questions. If he's got a newborn, I was just thinking the same. I was just thinking the same. Um, <laughs> he referred to, to Ledley King, or I think it was actually Oliver Leash referred to, to Ledley King in an earlier question. Um, Paul Simon asks, without his injuries, would King still have been a one club man? Yes. Yes. I think so too, Nikki. Yeah, I do. The um, it's always been said, you know, if if he hadn't got those injuries, would a Barcelona or a, I don't know a Real Madrid or somebody have come sniffing for him? No, I don't think so. Well, they they might have, but um, I don't think he would have been interested. Mm. I don't think I so. Don't You've got to look, actually, before, I think it was about 2006 where he first picked up his his sort of first major injury. Um, up until that point, around about 2004, 2006, when he was really playing quite well, pre, and obviously he played well after that, but where he was sort of pre his injury phase. Now, a big, a big club could have come in for him then, frankly. Mm. Um, and he stayed with us and... You know, and it's just to me, he's just Tottenham through and through. Um, he personifies what the club is about, and and hopefully now with Pochettino and all all of these young players in the team, um, we'll have many more um, players of that ilk that that go on to. Um, it's a rare thing in modern football these days, but it'd be it'd be it'd be nice if the likes of the Harry Kane's that we mentioned and um, Eric Dyer obviously started at Sporting Lisbon, but. He's still fairly young. Um, hopefully, these these players will 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 be at Spurs for the rest of their careers. I don't know if that's naive of me to assume that, but I think I think it's probable, and it'd certainly be nice if, if that was the case. I do know one thing, though. I know for sure it would be, but you know, it's I mean, it's like anything; it's all just speculation at this stage, and. Um, and uh, you know, like... John Terry wouldn't have had a career that he's had if, if Ledley King was fully fit. Absolutely. Well, I I think I think that Ledley King, had he been fully fit, he would have been regular in the England England team, and I think he would have been captain as well. Yeah. Um. I think that's a. Um... 
fair observation, to be honest with you. There's a, and I'm sure people have seen this, listeners, but there's a clip of Ledley King. I think it was from 06, 07, when we played Chelsea at White Hart Lane. Yes. And ro- ro- um, somebody puts, one of the Chelsea players puts the ball through to Robin. And Robin's, you know, a quick player. And um, Ledley was, Ledley was no, no, near him. And he puts in this last-ditch tackle. And it's just brilliant. You, you, you just watch it again and you think, how? How did he do that? Yeah. And it's, it's amazing recovery. Well, that tackle he did, um, when Ben Davis played against Swansea, not this season, last season, and he put that last-minute ditch tackle in, um, that was similar to that sort of tackle. Where the hell did that come from? And the ball cleanly as well. But yeah, I, I generally don't think that uh, John Terry would be anywhere near as um, influential or whatever the word is, you know, in the media's eye, if um, King was fully fit. Honestly. Um. I think. Is he 35 now as well, isn't he? Sorry? He's 35 now as well, isn't he? He is, which is, you know, um, that's not particularly old. Um, You know, and he retired, what, three years ago when he was 32, or in fact, short of his 32nd birthday. I know ultimately injuries got the better of him, but it's a great shame that. um, it's It's a great shame that he didn't achieve what he could have because of injury. Having said that, I think we were quite blessed and privileged, even with what we did um, see of him. Um, you know, and, and also it's quite telling that the number of players that, let's face it, were maybe average, mediocre, like Kabul, for instance. He wasn't uh, that. Sorry? He wasn't even that. Well, but what I was going to say is someone like Kabul, and even I don't, I don't want to say Dawson's average or mediocre, but these players played a lot better when they when they played alongside Ledley King, and it's only when Ledley King didn't play they were found out. They were found out, yeah. Because mm. he aspires to be average. Christ Almighty. <laughs> anyway, we've got our new. We've got our. You know, Ledley was as as, as amazing a player. He he. Um, he is and, and and lots of memories. We've 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 got new players. I mean, been in new heroes in, in defence. Um, in, in Jan Vertonghen and 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 Toby. I don't want to put them on the same um, same level as King, but I think they're they're two quality players that are forming a partnership and a really good solid partnership. And uh, you know, hopefully. Do you, um, do you think the signing of Toby is going to make? Jan cement himself a bit more in our team. I think so. I think of him going this, that, and the other. I think that you know they've they've played together obviously um, before both at Ajax and and, and Belgium, uh, the Belgium national team, and um, but both off and on the pitch as well. Off the pitch is usually where people have got more time to start thinking. And, Absolutely, and that, but but also wonder how instrumental Jan must have been in getting Toby to come to come to Spurs because obviously you know they, they they'll play together at international level and um, they have conversations and and no doubt Jan must have said to him you know this is you know this is set up at Tottenham these are training facilities brand new facilities blah 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 so 
Um, yeah, could be. And, and Poch as well, the connection there as well. Sorry? And the connection with Poch as well. Yeah. yeah. Helps. But I, th I think a lot, of the, a lot of this unrest is usually not on the pitch, it's usually off the pitch where they've got time to, you know, got their own time and their own sort of thoughts and all the rest of it, you know, playing in a foreign country, etc., etc. It's always helped help to have a person who's, who you know, maybe the same nationality, etc., etc. I just, I, I think those those two are going to be um, very hard to replace, to be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully, if we're if we're successful and we continue to show the progress that that we've made under Poch, then both of them will um, be regulars um, and and won't go anywhere. And and the knock-on effect is Lloris. Absolutely, yeah. So, long may it continue. Um, Paul, thank you for taking part. Obviously, okay. first podcast. Um, we seem to have lost Nikki. Um, technical problems at the end of the podcast. So, um, sorry, Nikki. More positive. Sorry. Sorry, it wasn't a bit more positive, but um, not even hundred percent. No, I mean it's um, at the end of the day. It's it's. What, what you see, which is, which is important, it's, it's your opinion. And um, let's face it, I think we all we all wanted a we all wanted the three points yesterday, um, but it wasn't forthcoming, unfortunately. Hey, but um, as I said before, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> <laughs> you know as little and as much as everybody else, every other Tottenham fan. Um, right. So thank you, Paul. Um, you Nick, Nick, Nicky, um, thank you as ever. Um, and the future's bright. The future's lily white. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and we'll talk out over her.